0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 70, with my amazing friends from the Mapped team. Verinia Granum, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much. And Rachel Grubbs, co-founder of Mapped. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm great. Thank you.
0: I'm loving the coordination with Mm -hmm. our our premed (laughs) shirts.com. Rachel and I wearing collaboration, not competition, not on purpose together. And Verinia wearing the premed element shirts, uh, 528 (laughs) and uh, three, was it 247, 365 there as well? Um, We are the mapped team. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. Uh, If you haven't heard of me before, where have you been all of my life? (laughs) Uh, I've been hanging out here on the internet for nine years, providing tons of free content for you to um, get into medical school. That's the ultimate goal here. And uh, last year, Rachel and I created mapped.com, which initially started out as a software uh product which still is a software product where that you can uh, go sign up for free now and have a free account forever uh, we do have paid features built into mapped as well um but we also have one-on-one advising and so Verini is an advisor rachel and i are both advisors as well as dr scott wright who is a grandparent as of yesterday so we're not sure he's gonna join us today he's, he's hanging out with the babies uh, appropriately so um For all of you watching this on replay, leave a note, uh, either at mapped.tv or premed.tv. We won't distinguish either one. Um, Leave a comment, a question that you have, uh, or a good takeaway from this episode. And we're going to be giving away a free year access to mapped as well as one of our newest features, which is chat advising with one of the four of us inside of mapped. So I don't even know the value of that, Rachel. What is that? It's over $300, I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, $329.99 for for Mapped and in the chat.
0: Yeah. The value is like thousands of dollars, but the cost is $329. (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, the goal here for Ask the Dean is to answer questions. Uh, You Mm -hmm. ask them, we answer them. And uh, if you're watching this on Instagram, hello on Instagram. Uh, but we're taking questions just the platform that we use brings in questions from um, from YouTube so go over to premed.tv or mapped.tv and ask your questions there and look who is here grandpa grandpa
3: dr <laughs> scott writes
0: <laughs> hello are hello, you hello
3: hello i'm doing well sorry <laughs> i'm late
0: you are you are okay you are excused Um, We thought you might be hanging out with babies.
3: Oh, I wish I was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for showing up and gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thank you. And
1: and with it, hopefully, Grandpa Wisdom.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Let's go ahead and jump into the first question.
2: All right.
0: When should you be asking for letters of recommendations if you apply next cycle? And should we use Interfolio? Berenia, what do you think?
1: Uh, So I'm assuming meaning like 2022. um, Mm -hmm. You want to start asking for those probably beginning of the spring semester, January, February. Hopefully you've built up a relationship with your recommenders uh, where it's not suddenly coming out of the blue. (laughs)
0: um (laughs) surprise
1: yeah (laughs) um so yeah that's that would be an ideal timeline the beginning of the spring semester
0: yeah why why then and not now
1: it's a little early now you want to have a a recommender who can speak to your current activities as well as you know who you've been over the years but um they're sort of just going to sit there kind of dated right um and they're you know they're Probably not going to have as much weight as, let's say, someone who's writing a more recent letter.
0: Yeah, so a little a little gamesmanship with the application mm-hmm. cycle, where you just ideally your applica- your your letters of recommendations are dated the year that you apply. Mm-hmm. Now, now could you play a game and have your letter writer write it now and and date it in the future? You could play that game if you wanted to. Um, nobody's going to stop you, but that's that's the ideal scenario. And then Interfolio is great, right? You you would have to use Interfolio if you're going to do something before the application cycle opens up. And that's what we always recommend is is start asking kind of January, February, and give your letter writer an Interfolio link. If you go to Interfolio.com, you create an account. It's free to create the account. It costs money to transmit the letters later on to the application services But your letter writer will get an email saying, hey, Johnny has has requested a letter from you. Here are the instructions to upload it when it comes to uploading directly to the application services. For some reason, and this is just there's no technical reason why they can't do this, but they just have put in this limit. All three application services, you can't upload letters unless you have an active application open for that cycle. So you could have uh, an application open for, let's say, the 2022 cycle, meaning it opened in 2021 with letters in there. If you're going to apply in 2022 for 2023, you're going to have to re-upload those letters to your new application cycle um, uh, account or whatever language they, they use there. So just some weirdness that the application services have. All right. My girlfriend and I will be applying next cycle. Woohoo! I wish there was couples matching for med school. That'd be cool. And we're trying to go to the same med school. If one of us gets an acceptance before the others, how long could we hold out before the other hears back?
2: This question asker also wishes that which is there is couple (laughs) matching.
0: Yeah. Scott, did you deal with the students at all uh ever applying a, as a couple going my my significant other got in, and I want to come to your school too and you're like uh sorry buddy your your stats yeah. are terrible
3: yeah that that would happen on occasion, and uh you know there's nothing we can do about that it it is what it is, and uh if if the other person of the couple didn't get in, then they would have to uh You know, go to uh, the school where they did get in and then hope to transfer at at the third year into the clinical, uh, which is the only transfer point in med schools. Some med schools don't transfer in at all. Other med schools do transfer in, but only after the second year and are into the clinical uh, into the clinical years, assuming that you did well in your uh, in all the preclinical stuff and uh, past the uh, step one. So um, so there's some hurdles that you have to get over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I had a couple once. Um, both of them were music people. They had no intentions of going to medical school. They met in their master's of, of like music um, uh, uh, course study. And they both fell in love with how music affected people and people's health. Uh, mm. They would play music at an Alzheimer's home. And, and it would just change the people while they were playing music. And they both fell in love with the medicine. They applied to medical school together. One of them got an acceptance. Um, I believe it was to Wake Forest. I'm pretty sure it's to Wake Forest because the, the reason I remember that is Wake Forest um, and the, the medical schools in that area, they have a um, a med student band or a medical band. And so they were really interested in going to that school because of the, the orchestra kind of feature of the medical school. Um, The the woman got in and the guy, I don't know if they were husband at the time. I think they were fiancés. They were engaged. Uh, The guy emailed the school and said, my fiance was just accepted. I would love to to obviously go to the same school as her is it possible to have my application reviewed again or reviewed whatever language he used? He FedExed a letter, a a physical letter to the school, overnighted it to them. Uh, He had an interview invite uh, later that week and ultimately an acceptance. Now, he didn't get in because his fiance got into school. He got in on his own merits, and he was just lucky enough and advocated for himself just enough that the school was like, yeah, I'll give you another look. Yeah, your application is good enough let's invite you in and, and see how, how it looks. Yeah. So,
3: yeah, I, I think that's a great story. It's uh, that is not typical. Yeah. Yep.
2: Okay. So let's, let's get back to the heart of Ben's question, right? So Ben is saying, if one of us gets an acceptance before the others, how long do we hold out? Right. So what do you recommend to them in terms of timing? So they're not talking about asking med schools for consideration. They're just talking about coordinating yeah. amongst themselves as a couple.
3: Cool. So I I don't really understand the question. How long could we hold out before the other hears back? Hold so, out for what? So let let's question.
0: say let's say Ben's girlfriend gets into to Excellent. one med school. Mm-hmm. Ben gets into another med school. They both they both know in October they need to start making plans. Ben's med school is in another state. Should he start making plans in November, December, January, February? How, how, what, when is the latest potentially that Ben may hear that he gets in at his, his girlfriend's school?
3: The day before classes. <laughs> begin,
0: Exactly. Right. And and that's the answer. And it's, it's a terrible situation to put yourself in. You have to prepare to go to whatever school you've got into. If you got into multiple schools to so the best school that you got into, and right. if it's not the same school as your girlfriend, then that just is. and, if the backup plan is the day before school starts, you hear that you got into the, her school, be prepared to move very quickly.
3: Yep. yep. <sighs>
2: Sorry, Dan.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Sorry Same. to be the bearer of bad news, yeah. but that's kind of the way it is.
0: Have, have some extra cash on hand for that yeah. quick move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh what are some good resources and websites to apply to scholarships and grants outside of your medical school institution? So great, great website. Um, write it down. G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. And <laughs> you just type in <laughs> scholarships for medical school is, is the probably yeah. the best place to go. Yeah. Yep. We don't. We don't keep a list. Maybe maybe we should build that into mapped uh, at some point and have.
3: have but a but I will. I will. S- but I will say that's why med schools have financial aid offices. It's not just to dole out uh, uh, federal funds. It's yep. to help you find other resources and stuff like that. So m- first and foremost, uh, to the med school where you get an acceptance, go directly to their financial aid office and start a conversation with them about what you know what is available what i'm eligible for and and etc that's why they're there yeah
0: all right someone's fan just kicked on loud
3: yeah
0: okay all right good morning i had a question on how uh, can I move forward being pre-med with an IA? So an institutional action for those not in the know. I'm going into my second year. Any advice is appreciated. So the, the key part of that statement is it sounds like this happened as a freshman, mm-hmm. right? Or for a first year student. Uh, and we, we know for the most part, time heals all wounds, all right? Scott, for, for UT Southwestern, uh, where you were former director of admissions, mm-hmm. how were institutional actions dealt with? Was that an automatic going into the, the trash can, or was it a case-by-case basis? Yeah. We're going to look at what happened, how the student reflected on it, when it was, et cetera.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a case-by-case uh, evaluation. W- we would typically ask the uh, student, the applicant, to write a letter to us explaining in detail exactly what happened what what they learned you know get into a lot more detail than they they did in the application we would want to know exactly when it happened if there were uh supporting documents that uh from the institution uh that were included in their file we would want to you know know from if it was a a faculty member you know that was involved from that faculty member etc so uh we would but we would look case by case what actually happened? When did it happen? What was the severity of the event? You know, we we have a lot of students that come in with minor in possession or, uh, you know, public intoxication. These are fairly common. Uh, and uh, and I would say in, in those cases, particularly if they're early on in their college experience, that uh, it wasn't a big deal. It was not a not a big problem, particularly if they seem to have learned their lesson and, and, and had reflected on it and really really understood the, the, the the severity of of what it could have meant had it been a worse situation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, That reflecting is so key. And this isn't about Mm -hmm. our question asker because hers is worded completely neutrally, but um, we definitely internally all had questions. People come to us talking about IAs with a lot of caveats. You know, I was accused of cheating twice and it wasn't my fault. My TA, it was, was against me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of talk, I mean, even just to a private mentor, is is sending the signal that you haven't reflected. Mm-hmm. Right. Um right. Are, are people ever accused falsely of things? Yeah. <laughs> but you still have to think about how are you going to talk about it in a way that shows shows growth. Yeah.
1: And That's I think clear. it goes without saying too, but just, you know, don't do it again. Yeah. You
0: know, you, don't, don't do it again. <laughs>
3: right.
0: You're early shame enough boy. in
1: your college career. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know. Yeah. Elizabeth asks I'm an optometrist tech. I work with patients, but I am concerned it won't count as clinical hours. I'm also a caregiver to my mom who is blind, diabetic, has end stage renal disease. Should I consider consider other clinical experiences? So optometry tech, definitely clinical experience, right? It's just
3: mm-hmm, not
0: yep. in a, a typical medical field, but there are lots of pre-meds out there who optometry techs. Mm-hmm. What what's the the downfall, Varinia, when when we talk to a student who has a far majority of their, their time uh in a field that is a little bit on the fringe of medicine? And optometry is pretty close to medicine, right? Ophthalmology, mm-hmm. optometry, very very close to mm-hmm. each other, um, but but very similar situations we have all the time. Someone who works in a chiropractic office or maybe is a physical therapy assistant or aide. Uh, what, what are your thoughts when we see the majority of their hours in that arena?
1: I don't see that as a downfall necessarily. I think I'd, I'd advise the student to maybe try just shadow some other specialties since you've only had experiences in those very specific um, you know, areas in that specific environment, try to just get, you know, an opportunity to see other, um, specialties, other areas of medicine. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's still experience. You're still working with patients. You're still getting to, you know, obviously you know what the ins and outs are of, of the medical field. Um, yeah. So that's what I would try to do.
3: Nice. Any thoughts, Scott? Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think, uh, you know, I think always with every applicant, having a diverse set of experiences is a good thing. And uh, I completely agree with uh, Verenia, and and particularly with the issue with her caregiver uh, as to her mother, you know, I think this is uh, very clearly um, a a clinical uh, uh, part of what she's doing. And, uh, but I think you wanna match that with maybe not as much clinical experiences, but with uh, some shadowing opportunities would be a good idea.
0: Yep. Yeah. so optometry tech clinical experience being a caregiver to your mom clinical experience um make sure you're getting that shadowing too mm-hmm. yep Steven asks, do I need a postback or SMP? Cumulative GPA 3.41. And I loved how he gave us the story mm-hmm. behind those numbers. Yes, yes. Steven's been watching a while, hopefully. <laughs> 29293737. Great upward trend there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Science GPA 325 with a 25293737. Strong upward trend and a Texas
3: resident. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Yeehaw, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, Stephen, I, I I applaud the uh, the the uh, obvious shift in your GPA and your performance in in uh, in your uh, undergraduate experience. I mean, what the medical schools are going to see is a very clear demarcation between your first two years and your last two years so this is a great example for all of our students of a of a trend that really shows the medical schools uh, that you can uh that you can do the work and that you you, know, you figured it out and you've really turned things around yep. now but to the question of do you need a post-bac or s p uh, which is a special master's program uh, I think that's a little uh, unclear. Uh, I think that uh, there's there's a, a bigger picture here that we don't see just from the numbers. Obviously, we don't know your uh, MCAT score as well. We don't know kind of what your clinical experiences are, your volunteerism, things like that. So it's a little bit difficult to say, but strictly on the basis of your uh, of your uh, in the information that you provided here in your academics, I, I would say uh, I, I would probably uh, try to at least uh, maybe get a year of postback uh, courses under your belt while you're doing the clinical stuff. If you don't have strong clinical and uh, volunteer uh, activities, but I would not be um, hesitant. To apply with that kind of uh, record, assuming that the other things kind of fall in line.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. The 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 response that I always give students in, in this situation when they're asking about SMP or post back, I'm like, you basically did what an S P or postback is geared for when you when you mm-hmm. need to improve your your GPA and show yeah. that you're academically capable mm-hmm. you treated your third and fourth year of undergrad as your postbacker smp
3: yep. good point Ex- excellent point
2: mm-hmm.
3: so great job
2: Yep. long time listener has absorbed good insights
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yes. and uh, and and I would just hasten to add Stephen, if you have any other questions uh, feel free to email me, Scott at map.com and, uh, it, being a Texas resident, there are some other, you know, things that, uh, I could add to that offline, but, uh, feel free to email me and, uh, hit me up and, and we can, uh, chat a bit on, uh via email.
0: Well oh, look at you just giving favoritism to Texas. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> it's very statist of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I really failed my MCAT. Okay, no more, no more laughing. Uh, four eighty. I just got my score back. I feel really bad. I don't know what to do. I have ADHD, and I always had issues with taking tests like this. I have a three six science GPA from four year university.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. First of all, Rachel, what's for step one? Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> I love that everybody's like. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I'm. I am real, real sorry. Uh, I am sure you are feeling uh, just super, super upset. So um, yeah. First step is take take a breath. Try not to beat yourself up. Uh, this is a really, really hard exam. And one of the things that I try to help people remember, regardless of where they score the MCAT, is. Uh, doing average or even below average on the mcat you're probably still scholastically way more advanced than many people right 3.6 science gpa from a four-year university this is a test for a pretty elite section so um doing poorly on the test does not mean that you're dumb it doesn't mean that you'll always be bad at tests it does sound like you had said you have some test taking hurdles but those are surmountable um what you didn't say is how you did on practice exams. And often when I see people um, score in the in the low, the low, high 470s or the low 480s, and again, I don't know you, but often what that means is they have so much fear of the test that they did not take practice exams. Now, I don't know if that's the case for you. Maybe you took a bunch of practice tests and you were scoring north of 500. Um, but the reason I'm bringing that up is it's two separate conversations. One is... If you didn't take any tests, then you already know that's what went wrong. You didn't study the way you're meant to study, which is content review, practicing your timing, and working on full-length exams and reviews, right? If you took several full-length exams under perfect time conditions, you know, starting at the same time of day with the mask on, fully clothed with shoes on, really trying to replicate that test center experience, and you were doing significantly better than than this 480, then it might not be about how you studied. It might be about test day. So after you've taken a beat, that's the next step is do some reflection. Um, Obviously, if you still have dreams of being a physician, which I hope you do, then um, you're going to have to retake and you need to seriously reflect on what you can do differently. Um, If you haven't already, go check out Blueprint MCAT. They have a free study bundle that's like a half length diagnostic, a full-length diagnostic. I think there's some flashcards in there. They're adding free stuff. There's like that package of free things gets bigger and bigger all the time. And they have a study planner tool in there. Um, So I would definitely go check all that out. Um, And that might help you do a little reflecting and thinking about, you know, it's late September today as we're filming this, as we're streaming it live. So if you're aiming for the January or March exam, Um, then you have some time to really map out a new study schedule. Good luck.
3: Yeah, good luck.
0: Big bad bear. If you had to list the three most important attributes of a good applicant, what would they be? Hmm. Hmm. Scott, you name one.
3: Okay. Uh, Oh, now? (laughs) yeah name one Uh, okay uh i would say humble verinia one
2: resilient rachel empathetic
0: there you go Mm
1: -hmm.
0: there you go Uh, it's funny students always uh add this as uh, like at the end of an interview typically there's a time where the interviewer will ask you if you have any questions and very often students will ask well what what Traits to make a good student here and i tell them i'm like it's not a very good question because what if they name everything and you're like oh crap that's not me <laughs> <laughs>
1: this makes me think of um recently um our friend from temple university i'm, I'm so sorry i'm name yes caleb mm-hmm. he posted his little post-it two, his little post-it so, and yes. i actually kept the screenshot because yep. i love it Yes. can I just re- quickly read what they are yeah, yeah. this is according to Caleb from Temple <laughs> University so the pot- potential this is what kind of you know comprises a, a good application so to speak but also speaks to the qualities that they're looking for so potential patterns, personal story, passion, professionalism and persistence right so that that passion the professionalism, the persistence the potential these are all uh, words that you can use to describe a good candidate
3: yeah that's a good point
1: Uh, thank you
2: yeah i also was uh i'm gonna share
1: so thank you
2: (laughs) i was also really tickled by uh by caleb's he made Mm -hmm. a tweet i think he he put it on several rounds of social Mm -hmm. caleb is the director of the post baccalaureate um, program at, at Temple. So, I mean, I do think this question from Big Bad Bear is a great question. It's highly subjective,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but um, but Caleb keeps this little note on his desk to help that's him remember room. when yeah. he screen mm-hmm. applicants for his post back program. Yeah. Um, so, so you're not always going to get the same answer, but I think this is you can tell that's a well loved posted. It's been there a while,
3: and a great and a great use of alliteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Uh, and caleb is sometimes watching i don't know if he's watching today but uh,
1: hi caleb
3: thanks hey shout out to caleb thanks for this yeah yeah all right
2: cool uh let's move on
0: destiny asks where should you be getting your letters of recommendations from does it matter the the breakup or, or makeup rather professors doctors supervisors So this is one of the the hardest questions to answer, as is a lot of the questions that students ask because it just depends on the medical school, Mm -hmm. right? This is one of the non-standard parts of the application process where each medical school has their own requirements. So start building a list of medical schools you may be interested in going to and research what letters of recommendations they require.
3: But I would say generally speaking, you can, pretty much count on needing, if you're particularly, if you're a a current undergrad or recently out of undergrad, uh, you're gonna need at least two science professors. I mean, that's gonna pretty much cover a lot of medical schools. And then outside of that, you add in, you know, doctor that you've shadowed or worked for, uh, a supervisor at work, you can add that in there, but two science professors, really important. And then a mix of others. I agree, though, with uh, with Ryan that, you know, you really have to do your research on that. But generally speaking, I think that's a a pretty good yardstick. Mm -hmm.
0: It is. It is. Dan asks, when should I send an update letter to schools that accept them? My updates are a new clinical experience, in-person shadowing and new volunteering activity. Are these significant to update schools? So, good question. I, I love that Dan asked the, the, or, or gave the small little, uh, preface there of two schools that accept them. Yeah. Right? Cause not every yeah. medical school accepts updates. Uh, Scott, what do you think about, about this question?
3: Um, I would say, uh, geez, that's kind of difficult to say, but I would say, you know, clearly after you've interviewed, um, Uh, I think, uh, now you could do it before you, before the interview, but I think before the interview, it's, it's a little bit dicey and because there's so many students and so many applications and stuff like that. Uh, so I would say if you haven't heard anything by Thanksgiving, uh, in terms of an interview, sending an update letter would be, you know, potentially a good idea. Uh, but then after you've interviewed, if you haven't gotten an acceptance, then I would say, uh, maybe, uh, into the. The spring, you know, maybe March or so, particularly if you're on the waiting list or an alternate list of some type.
0: Yep, yep. Nice. All righty. So let's chat about mapped for a second. We're about halfway through. And uh, one of the things that we mentioned at the very beginning is if you're watching this in replay, leave a comment, a reflection, a question in the YouTube comments, whether it's on the premed.tv or mapped.tv replay of this. Um, and we're gonna pick a person that we choose kind of at, at random who who has an insightful question or comment. Uh, we'll pick that person to get a free year access of to mapped as well as our chat feature where you can chat with one of us inside of maps. So we call it kind of chat advising inside of mapped. Um, You'll get access to that. It's over $325 of, of value there. Uh, Paulina asked a question earlier about her institutional action. Paulina, if you're still watching this, uh, we'd love to give you as well a free year access to mapped and chat advising. So just uh, reach out to us at infomapped.com. At so, Rachel, you're, you're showing mapped here. Why don't you go ahead and talk about it for a second?
2: Okay, I've got some mowers not too far outside my window. So if it gets real bad, I'll mute and someone can take over. All right. Uh, All right, let me zoom in a little here. So, the really exciting thing to tell you guys about MAPT is this tool has been so popular that we have decided to make a completely free level. So, um, this is a paid service, but over and over, you guys tell us that the thing that you really love is this GPA calculator. And we already had a free GPA calculator over on med school headquarters. So we've, we've made this version with the pretty graphs free. So anyone who is pre-med, I think should take advantage of this, create your free account. And what you can do is enter all of the courses that you've taken. Um, your GPA for AMCAS, for Comas, for Texas will not be the same as what your uh, transcripts say, even if you went to just one school for four nice, neat years, but particularly if you did any transferring, did any community college work, um, you know, if you you stopped and started, attended multiple schools, it's going to get really complex. I was just working with one of um, uh, a grad student that we know that we work closely with on social media, and we found a really obscure little reason that her g p a was different by about one tenth um and it took a lot of pouring to find the thing because sometimes it's not obvious um but it was accurate right like her her school gave her a three point seven and um and AMCAS says it was a 3.6, so just it's it's, it's different. <laughs> um, so definitely take advantage of that. Make sure that you're using this calculator so that you know before you apply exactly what your um, the med schools are gonna see your GPA as. But then even better, this is really something to help you map out all of your pre-med, pre-PA process. So we've got a roadmap that if you tell us when you intend to start school, we're gonna walk you through what you should be doing each year. As you get closer to applying, it's gonna show you kind of things to do by month. So when to prep for the MCAT, when to take it, when to get those letters of rec, that was a question today. Um, uh, Working on your application all the way down to white coat ceremony. So it's gonna give you kind of an overview timeline And then here in resources, in addition to these weekly sessions where you can check in with us and ask questions, the most common questions we get, we've got articles and videos here. So, um, you know, one of the questions we get a lot is, well, how do I choose my school list? Well, Dr. Grace made three different videos about that. So they're all right here for you. So, you know, this is information that's available for free on the internet anyway, but we've kind of aggregated it for you. Um, we've also got this amazing feedback tool where, and I would say this is the heart and soul of MAP, um, based on the information you put in about your courses, your activities, your test scores, we're going to run some rubrics and give you feedback. So it's not one-on-one advising, but it's pretty high value. You're getting feedback from us based on the information you put in your app. Um, I could go on and on. There are lots of tabs I didn't touch, but a lot of cool things here in MAPT.
0: Yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff there. So go to mapped dot com. Click on the get started button to go register for an account. Uh, you'll get let's let's give the coupon code for thirty days of a free trial. Yeah, uh, it's thirty days free. Um, you'll get a free trial of all of the goodies, and then after that thirty days. Uh you no longer will not have access to mapped, which has historically been what happens after that 30 days, but now you'll go down to the free tier where you can still track your GPA, enter courses, and and make sure that your your GPA is, is tracking well. That's awesome. So that's right. map. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And Paulina is still here. So uh she said, thank you, Dr. Gray. So Paulina, just shoot us an email, infotmap.com.
3: Yay. So that's one
2: winner, and then we set it at the top, but just as a reminder, because we've seen some new viewers since then, we're going to draw a second winner from people who watched the replay. So um, keep commenting, because there's one more chance.
0: Yep, yep. Awesome. Back to questions. The good stuff. The good stuff. Sarah asks, is having an MRI tech aid job as the bulk of your clinical experience acceptable? I see both outpatients and inpatients and have close contact to them.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's it a great job. pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And thanks. Yeah. We get freaked out when we're in that tube. So we appreciate you. <laughs> right. I've, had, I've had lots of MRIs.
0: Yes. So thank me you. Too.
2: <laughs> me too. Me <laughs> too. I always have like a million things. Like I pre-plan the things I want to think about while I'm in there, like to distract myself. Like sometimes I like quote whole sections of Jane Austen to myself. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, Rachel, we need you to hold your breath and talk to us. And I'm like, no, but I'm, I'm doing a thing in here. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Focus, focus.
1: <laughs> I fell asleep during one once.
0: Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. I, I, I fall asleep anywhere. That's I thought it. you were going to say enough. you oh, fell asleep as. during my story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. my goodness. That would be no, really no. mean. No, no, <laughs> no. no. Well, anyway, uh, let's hear from Nicholas. <laughs>
0: Nicholas asks If you are lucky enough to receive multiple acceptances, how long do you have before you have to decide which schools you want to go to?
3: Ah, this is a ah, great the, the mm.
0: dreaded traffic rules. Yeah. Um, so it's going to differ by school and application service, right, Scott? Yep. yep. So talk talk about the the traffic rules kind of broadly.
3: Well, I mean, you know, this is a really great question, and and obviously, Nicholas, um, this is an enviable position for any applicant. Yep. To have uh to have multiple acceptances and my recommendation is for a for an applicant who who ends up with multiple acceptances is to accept all of them initially yep. but unless you know for sure you know that this school is is one that you you know you prefer the other set you know another set here and and there's one in particular that you're not interested in or whatever But I I would say accept all of them initially. Now, the caveat to that is some medical schools are going to require a deposit, particularly DO schools are going to require a pretty hefty deposit in a few, you know, in a a fairly short time period where you're going to have to pay to reserve that spot. But what you want to do is as quickly as possible make decisions about uh, between a set of schools and, and it, it, so if you've got three or four acceptances and you know it's between two of these schools then release the other two and let them go because other applicants can benefit from that and uh, and then you can begin to decide uh, between the two that you're really interested in, what's going to be best for you. But go ahead and accept those so that you have time to uh, make that decision and and explore, you know, potentially go visit the the community that it's in, look at housing options. You know, there's a lot of details that go into deciding where you're going to spend the next four years.
0: Yeah. The the only caveat to that, uh, I, I agree with that. The only caveat and and huge issue that i see and and huge complaint that i have about this process specifically from the DO point of view mm-hmm. is that osteopathic schools absolutely rob students with their um uh oh, absolutely. deposit payments yep, yep so the double amc has historically set deposits at a maximum of a hundred dollars i think there are some recent changes to that where schools can can do some other funky things, but DO schools don't have any guidance from the uh, the Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine. Mm-hmm. And so DO deposits are typically in the range of $1,000 to $2,000. Yep. And so to say, like, except all of them, that's a, a lot of money that you're giving up. And so you yeah. have to be a little bit more strategic. Unfortunately, when it comes to osteopathic schools, it's a huge problem that I've been scream, screaming about for a while. And I'd love to try to do something a little bit more official yeah. a, and, and uh, do some advocacy to, the, to uh, the Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine to, yeah. to have them formalize some, some yeah. parameters on that yeah. deposit like I the WMST has done. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm currently a junior in college and I haven't gotten enough clinical hours to apply for medical school. Can I still apply for the 2023 class if I start my clinical as soon as January? So interesting question that brings up some myths, right, of I haven't gotten enough clinical hours to apply for medical school. I'm not aware of any (laughs) any restrictions on to open a application for this cycle you must have this many hours
3: right right so yeah that's right and and you know i i, I think also the, the 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 questioner here is not ask is not asking this outright but my my fear is here that um this, this questioner says, I, I currently, a junior in college, haven't gotten enough clinical hours to apply for med school, which is the myth that we just mentioned. However, can I still apply for if I start my clinicals as mm-hmm. soon as January? So my, my concern here is a little bit about it It kind of seems like that the, this questioner is seeing it as a checkbox. If I, If I check the box as soon as January, then I'm okay. Now I don't know if that's your if that's kind of your position but what what I'm what I'm wondering is why have you not uh, gotten, you know, a lot more clinical hours by 3 years into your your did you just decide recently that you want to do medicine or whatever but mm-hmm. I, I would I would definitely say this is a this is a real important opportunity for you to visit with your pre-med advisor at your institution uh, to really examine you know what is going on here. Uh, obviously, we can help through Mapped through the uh, Map Chat um, function in Mapped. We can give you uh, you know more uh, specific advice about it, uh, having seen kind of what you've done uh, in that is uh, detailed in Mapped. But uh, but I would say, um, yeah, there, you know if you start. Uh, by january on, on face value of the question if you start by January, then absolutely you can apply you can apply even if you don't start by January there's nothing going to stop you, which is ryan's point yeah
0: yeah
1: it yeah. seems yeah. yeah. sorry. sorry. It just seems like they're holding hard and fast to this that, this timeline of applying by, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. their third year right, of college. Right,
2: right. And um, we we always get, I would say every couple of weeks, I get someone asking me, like, how can I apply to be on Am I Ready? When are you guys starting Am I Ready? Uh, we'll be doing Am I Ready Season 2 pretty soon. So yep. stay tuned for that. Yep. And for those of you that have watched any, it's all on MAP.TV. There's a playlist there you will see that when Scott asks students to talk through activities, he only spends about a second looking at the hours and dates <laughs> and then spends a lot of time saying, tell me about those experiences. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's the quality here. It's the yep. meaning. That,
0: yep. Matters. Yep. Yep. that, that was going to be my, my next statement was, uh, it's not that you start in January. It's how much impact will that, yeah. Job or experience Absolutely. have on you by the time you need to write your personal statement and your mm-hmm. secondaries and experience descriptions mm-hmm. and all that stuff to, to tell the story. Now, obviously, COVID, we, we understand COVID is, is a big factor in uh, people not having a lot of hours uh, and medical schools are aware of that. So just just think about that as well. josh asks how do med schools view w's i was trigger happy early in my undergrad and got five in my first three years but i haven't gotten any in the past two years and maintained a high gpa with a good course load
3: Hmm.
0: not not the first person to get a little too eager (laughs) (laughs) i can do it
3: all Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that you've gone, you know, a couple of years now without any W's, uh, that's a good sign. You may have to explain uh, to an admissions committee to the in your uh, application at some point uh, in a secondary uh, application, for example, you know, kind of why the W's are there, why there's so many of them um, uh, but uh, generally, I, I don't think that you're going to find this is going to be something that's going to be a huge red flag in your application. It might be a minor red flag that you'll have to explain a little bit. But uh, I would say it's not something that I would worry too much about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you figure five W's in three years, roughly six semesters. So a W a semester doesn't look great, but yeah. probably not going to hinder you in the, the big picture.
1: Yeah. Unless they were all for
0: the same class. I was
1: just <laughs> Oh, yeah.
2: If somebody yeah. had some like major mental block yeah. on OCHEM 2 <laughs> and just kept dropping it. Yeah.
0: Yep. And we, we've <laughs> talked about that before, the, the pattern. Are, are you dropping mm-hmm. Physics 1, have a withdrawal in Physics 1, running over to the community college to take Physics 1, getting a withdrawal in OCHEM 1, running over to the community college to take OCHEM 1? So uh, obviously that pattern is different than just having some Ws because you took too many courses.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
0: Do pre-med courses, quote, expire by the time I apply, some of my courses will be four to five years old?
3: No. Pretty typical. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, if you took, you know, uh, general chemistry as a freshman, then, yeah, it's going to be... four five (laughs) years old yeah yeah Yeah,
0: took a gap here and there four years old yeah Yeah, definitely Mm -hmm. uh obviously there are nuances and some medical schools may have some but big big picture no Mm -hmm. no katrina asks when asked asked in secondaries what will you be doing over the next year should we should you include non-medical school oriented activities and plans
1: yeah
0: Yeah. the very common mistake that i've seen students make with their official application is not including non-medical stuff on their application and and they're painting this picture that is incomplete uh both from a timeline perspective and from a who you are as a person perspective
3: that's right that's exactly right
0: yes include it all yep definitely unless the question specifically asks what medical related activities will be
3: will you be doing there was a great article in apply magazine that the texas uh, service was publishing for a while um, by one of our advisors in 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 texas i'll try to look it up here in the next couple of seconds and uh but it's it's available online and and it's it's all the article is all about this very question what does this have to do with you know, wanting to go into medicine or whatever. And uh, it, the article really lines it out really nicely that this is, uh, that there's a lot of uh, relevance to some of these activities. And so uh, definitely include include everything and really broaden who you are into the medical schools because broadening yourself and showing them all aspects of who you are is very relevant. And even if you're you know, the frontline supervisor at a, uh, at a grocery store in terms of the cashiers and stuff, this has relevance to your uh, activities as a, as a leader. Uh, and yeah, like, oh, there it is right there. Yeah. woohoo!
0: <laughs> the relevance <laughs> of extracurricular activities. Is that the one yes, you're talking about? Yes, that's exactly that
3: is it. That. it. That's that is exactly it. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Nice. I, I worked with a student this summer um, with, you know, helping them with their um, activities, uh, statements. And their plan for their year was to go back to Korea, they were Korean, and helping their grandmother because grandma was sick. And so they were going to be spending time with her. And, and you know, they actually asked the same exact question, you know, is this okay for me to uh, mention this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You're going to be, that's what you're doing. It's, you know, you're going back to Korea to help your grandmother. That's your activity. It's not going to be viewed in any other way. Mm-hmm. um so yeah absolutely awesome mm-hmm.
2: all right i found that article so i'm posting it in the comments
3: oh y'all are so wonderful <laughs> all
2: right it's not a pretty link but it's in the comments so it's clickable
3: yeah it's um, a great article yeah it's a really great article
2: and not specific to texas stuff no no not
3: at all not at all i'm
2: just saying because everyone's small people are like well they said that about texas i'm like yeah it's (laughs) they're not that
0: (laughs) i i love i i love the the uh picture but that has nothing to do with being a doctor uh with soccer because i have that specific example of a student who um i i met at a uh at a speaking um opportunity and she asked that specific question. She's like, I'm a soccer coach. So- soccer is my life. Um, soccer is life uh, from, from Ted Lasso. Uh, and she was told by her advisor to to stop doing it because that has nothing to do with medicine and to leave it off of her application. And I said, absolutely not. Like, that oh, is who you God. are. That's a part of who you are. The intangibles that I can assume from you putting on your application that you coach soccer For whatever age group is organizational skills and leadership skills and communication skills. All of these things that I can assume based on that experience, this interest that you have, um, keep doing it. Be who you are and don't listen to people, whether they're mentors, advisors, family members, who tell you that you have to be a specific person on paper and in your interview. That's not what medical schools want. And yep. she is uh, happily at a Texas medical school now, actually. Awesome.
3: Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, totally right. That's that's so disappointing to hear that that's yeah. the advice she got from her advisor. It's, yeah. it's so wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Alright.
0: How important are research hours in comparison to clinical hours? I have about 150 research and 800 clinical up to this point. I work in the emergency department and love my job. Do I need more research than this? Uh, back to the checklist. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh. Maybe,
1: maybe I, don't, and I don't even think so, but maybe for like an MD-PhD type program, right, right, but right, right, I don't right, think so. Right. But yeah. even then, yeah. they say even we then, teach yeah. you how to research. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. The,
0: the typical M.D. Ph.D. student is is like thousands of hours of mm-hmm. research. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. that's a bulk yeah. of their stuff.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, should we? It's one fifty-three. Maybe time for one more. Yeah. Okay. Trying to find a good one. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> since I laughed.
0: This <laughs> is a good fear, right? Patrick asks, are robots going to take over medicine and leave us without a job? No. No. no.
1: I should hope not.
0: No. And, and, and there's one specific reason because there are people on the other side of the mm. doctor and, mm-hmm. and people are going to be wanted, are going to want to be treated by people, not robots. Right. Now, I, I think technology will be a huge adjunct um, an yep. even bigger yep. one in the future, but there will always be physicians kind of mm-hmm. running, running the machines,
3: hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right.
2: Yeah. I mean, if anything, I feel like that's the way the workforce is evolving um, is more and more. It used to be about, um, and not just in medicine, but you know, technical skills. Right. I mean, we see this all the time where parents are confused. They're like, well, if I'd had that GP and MCAT, I would have gotten in. Right. Cause It used to be that med schools accepted Mm -hmm. people almost solely on stats, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody asked a little while ago, what are the three attributes? And none of us said good at school. (laughs) You know, like they're looking for empathy and robots can do a lot of things, but they can't read facial.
1: Well, they can't really read facial expressions. They can't read nuance. They don't have empathy. (laughs) Right. Unless you have a, a Baymax. Does anyone know who Baymax is? Oh, I love Big Hero 6. Yeah, it's one of my favorite I movies.
0: I love Big Hero 6. We, phenomenal movie. I'd be
1: happy with Baymax. <laughs>
3: oh, <yes.
1: laughs> Great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Big Hero Boy, 6. Boy, don't
3: I feel like an idiot. I've uh, never even heard of that. Oh, it's uh, so cute. It's, it's, a, really it's good, a really good movie. It's a really good
1: movie. It's really good.
0: <laughs> check it out. Although, I mean, uh, Big
1: kind Hero Six. of dark. I just
2: want yeah. to Yeah. Like, we're all going, a little. Oh, But yes. It's yeah. not exactly
1: feel good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like a long walk in the dark before mm-hmm. you get to the light, sort and, of at the end. So I'm and just telling people. Generally terrifying too. But,
2: yeah. Yeah. Like don't don't go in thinking it's gonna be all <laughs> a feel good movie. <laughs> all all sweetness. Um uh, although I guess that's also true with Pixar, right? Like what breaks your heart more than the right. first ten minutes of any Pixar movie.
0: <laughs> Thanks up.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. All right, so uh, reminder, map.com, there's a free level forever. But if you want to see the full full suite of tools available in the paid level, then use code 30 days free.
1: Yep.
2: And that'll get you access to um, all all the tools included in Mapped. Um, and then we are going to do a giveaway. Um, for people in the comments, we already did one today. We'll do one more. So type in those questions even after this is over, and yeah. uh, let's handle Kate's question
0: here. Yeah, Kate just had a a good question. I thought is is um, good to plug both the the premed hangout, uh, which has seventeen plus thousand students in it. So that that'd be a good place to go. And if you are a Mapped member, you also get access to a, a private Mapped Facebook group where you can uh, potentially find an MCAT partner as well Mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the features uh in the future potentially for mapped is is more of a community feature where students who are applying to medical school kind of in the same timeline taking the mcat around the same timeline we can have that ability to to get people together because community community is such a foundational part of this process Mm -hmm. yep
1: Collaboration. Yep. Not competition.
0: (laughs) That's right. All right. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. We will see you next week on Ask the Dean. As always, I am uh, live on Instagram Friday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern as well. Just doing a solo thing on Instagram. So come find me there. Um, And uh, yeah keep coming back, asking great questions. Yeah.
3: Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast, track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on ask the Dean.